You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. sexual sin and you're going to tell me you're a Christian and you're sitting here in church something's wrong those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur this is the second death I understand a majority of the text and the majority of the message is like praise the Lord, I can't wait it's just out of this world But because of verse 8 I had to put one more word and I put it in capitals you know what it is? Exclusive. While much of today's message focuses on the splendor and magnificence of the paradise that awaits us as believers, verse 8 brings us pause. As Pastor Danny points out, this verse offers a stark contrast to the beautiful hope that followers of Christ have. While God desires for all men to experience heaven, those that live in sin and reject His invitation have the complete opposite of paradise to look forward to. They're destined for an eternity of separation from God in a place of intense suffering. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, as he continues his message, Paradise. made of jasper in the city of pure gold as pure as glass. Now, somebody came up to me last week and said, why do we need a wall? Why does God have a wall there? Obviously, they're reading ahead. And my first thought was, come back next week and I'll tell you. (laughs) But I started thinking about it and I talked with the person for a while and then I went away that afternoon, last Sunday afternoon, thinking about it. Why do we have to have a wall? And I suggested to this person right here, standing here last week, uh, well, I think it suggests security. But it has to be more than that, because as we'll read, there's no security needed. And so as I thought deeper about it, I'm glad they asked the question, because it caused me to to ask the question myself, why is there a wall? And I went back in my mind to Jesus' disciples, Matthew 24, verse 1, and they, they call his attention to the magnificence of Herod's temple. Look at the magnificence. And it wasn't wrong to do that, because what they're saying is, what they're saying is, This is magnificent, and this is God's house, and this is dedicated to God, the God we love and serve. And yet, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left on another. And as much as that was a temple for the Lord and dedicated to the Lord, it was temporary. 70 AD, the Romans came in, ransacked Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and not one stone was left on another. It suggests more than security. It suggests, just like the disciples in the earthly temple of Herod that he built for God. Well, he built it for political reasons, but it was dedicated to the Lord. And here's the word I came up with as I thought deeper about it. It suggests magnificence. That's what the disciples were thinking when they said to Jesus, look at this, look at the buildings and look at this, and this is God's place. 
It's magnificent. Verse 19, the foundations of the city were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, second sapphire, third chalcedony, fourth emerald, fifth sardonyx, sixth cornelian, seventh chrysolite, eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, tenth chrysoprase, eleventh jacent, and the twelfth amethyst. It's absolutely, unbelievably beautiful. And let me go back. As the angel measures it, it's 12,000 stadia in length, as wide and high as it is long. It's a cube city. Let me help you with the dimensions. New York to London, 1,400 miles. That's 12,000 stadia. I appreciate that because we just came back from London. Eight and a half hours over, nine and a half hours back on a very fast plane. It's a long way. Uh, Let me give you another one. New York to Houston. Uh, Let me help you a little more. It's the size of the moon cubed. And here's the question. Why is it a cube? There's some clues. Uh, For example, Matthew chapter 22, verse 30. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Like the angels. What are the angels like? Genesis chapter 28, verse 12. Jacob has a dream which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending. Add some other scriptures to tell us without question that angels are fast. They can fly. And here's what I'm convinced of based on those scriptures and the text we're looking at today. 1,400 miles up, 1,400 miles across. It's a cube. You don't get it yet. Come on. You can go up, you can go down, and you can go from side to side. And you may be going to side to side 700 miles up. We'll be like the angels. Now, I had a little too much time to think about it. And so as I'm thinking deeply about this, I thought, do we just naturally learn how to navigate? Do we just naturally learn how to be like the angels and swoosh here and there? Or are there lessons in heaven? I don't know. Oh, when's your lesson? Uh, it's more 9 a.m. Wait a minute, there's no time. Oh, I don't know how that works. <laughs> but but uh, we're going to be like the angels. And this is the capital of the new heaven and the new earth. And as I see it, it's the bridge between the new earth and the new heaven. And we can go up. We can go down. We can go side to side. We can visit the new heavens. We can visit the new earth. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And then, if you have one of those stickers, salt life, you'll appreciate the next verse. Verse 21. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each made of a single pearl. The oysters, the oysters, they've got to be just mind-blowing. The great street of the city, Main Street, was of pure gold. Like transparent glass. John says, verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. There'll be distinction. 
We won't all look alike. It'll all be glorious, but there'll be distinction. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there'll be no night there. Goodbye, daylight savings time. (laughs) The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now look, the clock I look at in the back that gives me an indication on when I should stop talking says 11.57. We try to end um, by 12.15. I'll try to do that, but since I have more time, can we read a little more? I mean, look at chapter 22. This is just great stuff, man. Look at chapter 22. And then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. The fountain of youth has been discovered. It's right here. Clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, perpetually fresh. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there there be any curse. Pause. That's a good one. You don't have to read very far in the Bible. God creates Genesis chapter 1. And then the first marriage, Adam and Eve. And God presides over the ceremony. They're in paradise. But before Eve could conceive her first child, they blew it. They blew it. And Genesis chapter 3, that early on is just an ongoing record of here's what's going to change now and what changed because now there's a curse. And now, Eve, your desire will be for your husband. You're going to look to act independently. And he will rule over you. You're going to feel like a doormat because he's going to treat you like one. And now by the sweat of man's brow will he go about his work, which tells us that before the curse, Adam... When he went to work, you say, Adam went to work every day. You read the story. You read the record. God put him, the man, even before the woman is on the scene, to work the garden. That's what it says. He went to work every day, but there was no sweat. It was no nine to five. I hate this job. You know, you can take this job and shove it. It was none of that. Every day he worked worked and he served and he fellowshiped with God. Now, now. He works by the sweat of his brow. Now there's toil. The rose was there before the curse, but now the rose has a thorn. Now all the issues and all the challenges. It's kind of how we started in our text, wasn't it? Paul says right now, here's the challenges. But we fix our eyes. We fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, what is unseen. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They'll see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There'll be no more night. They'll not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Last verse for today. Look at it. Verse 6. Then the angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. That's the second time God said that to John. You go back to Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. 
He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new, exclamation point. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now he says it again. These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. It's coming. So why does he have to tell John twice? These words are trustworthy and true. Well, there's more than one reason. We had a little contest last night. Since we did it last night, I did it at the nine o'clock service. And I don't want to show favoritism, so we might as well have one here. The lady last night that won is 88. I didn't think anybody was going to beat her. But last service, lady sitting right here, third row, 91. Any 92? 92 or above? 92 or above? Okay, then. All over 70. All over. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Really? Really? Wait a minute, I, I should remember this. I talked to you the other week. Let me guess. 93? 93! We both win. 93! God bless you. And I know you have a heritage of faith because I've talked to you before. I know your family a bit. 93. But last night, I got to tell you, last night, you know, I felt like when the lady 88 won, because this lady here, there was one lady that started it all off, and then this lady, and I, she, I thought she had it, and she thought she had it. But then over here, the lady got her. And so I tried to encourage them all, so I said, but I don't want you at all to be discouraged by, by her winning, because you're all old. <laughs> and you could tell by the look on their face, that encouraged them so much. <laughs> Why? Why does God have to tell John not just once, but twice as he's seeing this amazing city and this amazing future and this paradise? Because most scholars tell us that John was some 90 years old when he's seeing it. And do you know where he is when he's seeing it? He's on the island of Patmos. He's there. He tells us in chapter 1 because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Nero tried to boil him in oil. God performed a miracle and wouldn't let John die because his ministry was not complete. And Nero, not knowing what to do with him, said, well, I don't know what to do with this guy. I can't kill him. So he sent him to the Alcatraz of the ancient world. He's some 90 years old. On some God-forsaken island in that day. And God tells him, write it down. Because these words are trustworthy and true. It's one of those messages you just enjoy putting together. You know what I mean? It's just, I read it and I'm studying. And I'm like, oh, Lord, how do you want me to communicate it? And what do you want me to spend time on? And, and help me to, to do it the way you would want it and give me words to say. And I, and I pray that every week. But in more, you know, when I get to ones like this, I go, man, I can't wait to talk about this. I just wish I could have skipped verse 8. I mean, because as I finished my notes and I, I was finishing up and I said, oh, what an amazing, what an amazing future. What an amazing future that I have to look forward to and all those who have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so I started, I started thinking of words. I mean, you pay me to, to pray and study and I had a little time, so I thought about it deeply. And uh, here's one of the words I put down, amazing. 
<laughs> I looked at the synonyms, astonishing, marvelous, miraculous. Continued to think, and I put down, and I put it in all capital letters here in my notes, magnificent. And I looked at the synonyms, wonderful, splendid, outstanding. And then I thought more, and I put this word, stupendous, stunning, awesome, breathtaking. Thought a little longer, put one more, uh, transcendent, <laughs> unequal, supreme, divine. And then verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral. You're living in sexual sin and you're going to tell me you're a Christian? And you're sitting here in church? Something's wrong. Those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I understand a majority of the text and the majority of the message is like, praise the Lord, I can't wait. It's just out of this world. But because of verse 8, I had to put one more word. And I put it in capitals. You know what it is? Exclusive. My mother used to take my brother and I down to Lawton Park. I loved Lawton Park as a kid. It was horseshoes. It was a swing. Playground. But my favorite thing, my favorite thing my brother and I had to do there was go swimming. We loved, just loved it. They had a diving board, but it was out on the wooden dock, you know, and it wasn't, wasn't fancy at all, but I loved the diving board. Remember when I finally learned to turn a flip? And I finally learned to do a one and a half. And then one day I actually did two. The girls would look a little more when you did two. But as I'm there at Lawton Park, and I love Lawton Park, but, you know, my, my, some of the guys I went to high school with, they, they'd go by in their boats, and they're skiing, and they're having fun. And, but they're hanging out over at the, um, the country club. I couldn't get in there. Now, occasionally I got to go because they booked something, and there was a party there, and I got to go in because there was a special party. Or if one of my friends, that his family, was, they were members of the club, I would get to go there. Man, the swimming pool there was off the chart. And a few times in my life growing up, a few times, I got to experience a little bit of the country club. But why couldn't we go there? We didn't have that kind of money. That's where the doctors and the lawyers and the dentists and the people had really good paying jobs. And my family, we just couldn't go there. We weren't members. When you think of exclusive, in my mind, the first thing that comes up is a negative connotation. But understand the, the exclusiveness of this place. It's only because you make a choice not to go. The cowardly, the unbelieving, oh, the vile, the murderers, all those, you'd expect that, but, but the, the cowardly, oh, you're not willing to confess Christ, you're not willing to give your life to Christ because you're afraid, because yeah, it'll cost you, and it will. The unbelieving, the unbelieving, you have to believe that Jesus is the only way. I watched a few weeks ago as Dan Rather interviewed my favorite drummer, Ringo Starr. I grew up loving the Beatles. I wanted to be a Beatle. Everybody did in those days. And he was asked, Dan Rather asked him about his religious beliefs. I wrote down what Ringo said. Here's what he said. I'm a Hindu Christian with Buddhist tendencies. Hinduism... Their heaven is union with the divine, which you achieve when you break the cycle of reincarnation. And part of that reincarnation, if you were a dog in the last life and you were a bad dog, that's why you're having so much trouble in this life. 
So to not be a dog again or to be a better dog next life, you better do better in this life. Then there's Buddhism. That suggests the eternal, uh, eternal condition of peace and changeless, changelessness called nirvana. There's some similarities to Hinduism. Then there's New Age, and that's the path of discovering the God within yourself. Uh, and then there's Islam. And Islam, a little easier to understand. You've got to do 51% good works versus 49% bad. And if your good works outweigh your bad works, you'll make it into Allah's heaven. Second choice, you can strap something on your back and become a martyr for Allah, and you're guaranteed to get in. And then there's Christianity. When I've given you in my final comments are the five major religions in the world. And I'm telling you there's only one way to get in. And it's Jesus. Acts 4.12, there is no other name given to men by which we must be saved. It is a narrow road, not because God's narrow-minded. It's a narrow road because God doesn't want you to make a mistake on which choice to make. There's only one, and it's stained with the blood of the Lamb. The tax tells us it's without cost. <laughs> I couldn't get into the country club because we didn't have the money. This doesn't cost you anything because he paid the price for you. It's for those who are thirsty. If you're thirsty for something beyond this life, I have something to offer you. So while the majority of the text and the majority of my message is an encouragement to those of us who have already received Christ as Lord and Savior, God's pinned us into the Lamb's book of life, I cannot close. I cannot close without at least inviting, inviting anybody, anybody. You're here with us physically. You're watching by live stream. Would you like to come with us? Because it's going to be absolutely out of this world. Would you like to come with us? Bow your heads. If the Holy Spirit is drawing you, you say, how do I do this thing? How do I do it? You just ask him to forgive you. You just ask him to come into your life. You believe that he died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. He was buried to bury that sin. He was raised again to give you new life. Just ask him, say, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now help me to live for you. The rest of this life. In Jesus' name. Amen. I try to, I try to go with the promptings of what I believe the Spirit wants me to do when I give an invitation like that. And you know, sometimes I'll give somebody an opportunity to stand and say, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you. And if you just prayed that prayer, would you stand? But my challenge, my challenge this morning, before the day's out, if you just prayed that prayer, tell somebody. You got a mom or a dad that's a Christian. You got a grandmother or a grandfather that's a Christian. You got a son or a daughter that's a Christian. You came here to church with someone that's a Christian. Or you know a Christian. Tell another Christian. Hey, I prayed that prayer today at church, to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Now, if by chance there's somebody here and you're all by yourself here and you just prayed that prayer, then by all means, we're going to hang out, some of us, after I dismiss this service. Come up and tell me or tell one of us. I just prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
Don't wait to do it. Seal the deal. Go ahead and confess with your mouth that you've done that. As you continue to study the book of Revelation, you'll see destruction and death, but also the incredible future that awaits you if you're a follower of Jesus. The pictures painted of the throne room of heaven are inspiring and exciting, and you will one day get to stand where John stood. You'll meet the Lamb of God, who took away your sins. You'll rejoice with the angels and spend eternity getting to know your Creator as He always intended, in perfect love. This is something to cling to as you move through the difficulties of life. Knowing that you have a new home waiting in heaven can also be the catalyst to move you to share the good news of grace with others. They can also have a chance to live eternally with Jesus, and they might just be waiting for someone to introduce them. We hope today's message on the living word has been a blessing to you. And we'd like to tell you how you can access more teachings from Pastor Danny. All you need to do is visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Click on Sermons to be directed to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way, you'll never miss a new edition of The Living Word. Are you listening in the St. Petersburg area right now? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Once more, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on The Living Word.